How are you doing well? <clears throat> I hope you're doing well. Welcome to our wee private chat, my friends. Let me know if I'm up and running and doing well. Oh, it's receiving my content. How delightful. Well, uh, thanks everyone for joining. It's a great pleasure to chat with you. It only would have been slightly more pleasurable to chat with you if we had actually been able to do it in person. So I'm sorry about that. Oh, the Band-Aid? Yeah, sorry. I had a little <clears throat> little scrape today, and it looks rather exciting. So <laughs> I'm doing my Les Nessman. If you remember, I don't know if you ever watched this old show, WKRP in Cincinnati, but there was this guy. And now it's time for more music and Les Nessman. And um, he constantly came into work with Band-Aids on to make himself look tough uh, on, on the show. But anyway, so I'm... Uh, I'm sorry that we, we didn't get to do it. I was so looking forward to chatting with everyone. There are silver linings to these kinds of clouds, of course. And one of them is that I think it's kind of waking up the um, uh, Canadian public to just how dire and how difficult and how dangerous these uh, anti-leftist positions can be. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny, too, because I... I so love the live events, like I so love talking to people and playing with the audience and getting your feedback. And then, I mean, I'm I'm in for the duration, you know, I've, I've heard of these bungee speakers, you know, they kind of bounce in and then they bounce out like the old bungee bus and Dilbert. But I am very much around, I will sit and we'll chat and, and we'll, I'll hear your stories and, and we'll talk and I'm there for the duration. I'm there for the evening uh, when I was at... Uh, Oh, the um, A Night for Freedom in New York uh, was about four, four hours after the speech. Uh, I was still chugging along and chatting with people because, you know, frankly, I spent a lot of time in the uh, in the studio. So it's really, really nice getting out there. Now, listen, enough of, of this. I, I did the speech. I recorded the speech. I hope you liked it if you've had a chance to see it. If not, you should, uh, you should check it out. Uh, but as um, uh, let me just have a look here. And for heaven's sakes, don't. Uh, don't give any super chats because you guys have paid enough. And, and I really appreciate it. I know some of you needed your money back, and I, I respect that. And I, I'm glad that you're getting that back. Some of you decided to donate, which I'm hugely appreciative of, as is uh, the um, uh, as is the organizer. And uh, so, yeah, because, like, I don't really charge for speeches. Not because I don't think I could. I mean, I know I could. But because you guys donate to me, I'm always really, really sensitive about this issue of double dipping. So because you guys, or a lot of you, of course, are already donating to me, the idea that I would then also charge as well, it seems to me like double dipping, and I really, really don't want to do that. So uh, anyway, enough about this. Um, let's see here. I'm going to just look at the questions and um, make sure I can get to anything, because, you know, we would have had a Q&A and, and all of that. So, and, and look, oh... God, I'm so sorry. Like for the people who, oh, you know, you flew in from Alberta or, or other places. Um, I mean, we couldn't even get together for a social. And, and that's just brutal. And boy, you, you want to, I don't know if you've seen the Polish documentary that I did where we could just put out on social media that we wanted to talk about ideas. And we met in a bar and it was safe. It was secure. We had great chats all night about philosophy. And uh, it's uh, it's pretty wild. So uh, let me just have a look here at some of your questions. I'll scroll back to the beginning because I don't want to 
I don't want to miss a thing. All right, so let's see here. Uh, oh, yeah, and uh, don't forget to check out the Free Speech Club uh, on right here on YouTube. Uh, if you want to put uh, uh, your um, YouTube channel in there, uh, that would be great. Okay, so let's see here. Let's uh, let's get it going here. All right. Uh, thanks for doing this. It means a lot. I, you know, I'd like to say I'm sorry, but you know, especially uh, the organizer man, he did everything he humanly could, and and we just did as much as humanly possible. But you know, sometimes you win and sometimes you don't. It's just the way things go. But um, I think we'll win in the long run. Okay. Um, Let's see here. Is it time to keep your chin up to rise above it or chin down to take some blows? <sighs> I'll tell you, man, it's um, it's not looking particularly, I mean, present company excluded, of course, it's not looking particularly great out there because it's a very new thing that I'm seeing in the comments. And I've been doing this. My first video went up, what, 2005, 2006. So it's, it's been a while I've been doing this and... I'm seeing a lot of comments of like, you know, the time for arguments is past and, and there's only one way to deal with the communists and so on. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy to, that, that this thought, these thoughts are even floating in people's minds. So I, I'm going to hold as fast as, as humanly possible to reason and evidence. And I, I just started today. Like I need, uh, I need to do something beautiful. As well as, you know, you stare in this sort of squid brain sucking kaleidoscope of, of craziness out there in the world sometimes. I really want to do something beautiful. So I'm, I just started on the truth about Plato. I was going to do the truth about Plato, but it seemed a bit too challenging. Do you know Plato was actually just his nickname? Uh, he was named something else, but he was called Plato. Plato. <laughs> he was called Plato because he had really, really broad shoulders and he was given the nickname Plato, according to some historians, by his wrestling coach. So, I don't know, just a little, it's going to be interesting. Okay, so, yeah, I was on my way there, says someone, and then I got the email, this is Rebecca, sorry about that, and let's see here, uh, the event getting shut down and the lack of turnout here, I don't know, I have pretty good turnout here for, remember, it's private, right, this is, this is just for you guys, this was not sent out to anyone else. Um, how much hope there is for this town? Yeah, it's a big, it's a big challenge. The The people who shut down the event are very few in number. And, you know, obviously they have the will to power and they have the by any means necessary approach. But it's not a lot of people and really wouldn't be much threat if it wasn't for other forces aligning with them. So um, uh, Karen says, your speech was great. Thanks for uploading it. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. You know what I'm going to do? Here's what I'm going to do for you lovely, lovely people. I actually had, that was my second take. And there's stuff I liked about the first take a little bit. And there's stuff I really liked about the second take a little bit. Uh, but I will give you guys the first uh, take. Uh, I don't know about you. I'm I'm a big fan of like live stuff. And, uh, you know, if there's a song I like, like Dragon Attack, then I uh, I also like to have that song. Uh, live, so let me just see here. Yeah, I think this one. Uh, I think this one. Let me just check. This is the one that works because there were a couple that uh, kind of got hinky on that. But uh, let's see here. Yeah, that one works. Okay. 
So I'm going to put this in the chat here. And uh, for those of you who like it or who enjoy this kind of stuff, I do. You can have a look at uh, an alternative take where I went in some different directions. You can also just see how much is off the cuff uh, for all of this. And uh, I hope that uh, that's of interest to you. It certainly is uh, for me. And um, yeah, I'm glad that you enjoyed the speech. The speech does seem to be doing well. And it is, of course, one of these questions that you always have is that uh, is there more? Uh, are there going to be more views of this speech because things were shut down? Um, that's always a big, a big question, right? And I think it's certainly possible that there will be. And because of that, again, I'm, you know, I, I'm not charging uh, even for for airfare for a hotel. Like I'm not charging anything for this because I'm not. You guys. You know, obviously, some of you who did know donated you lost money. I don't want to be making money in all of this. So, uh, Jennifer says, heartbroken when I got that cancellation notice. I've been watching you for years, and it was so looking forward to meeting you. And Lauren, thanks so much for doing this. Appreciate it. Pumped to have you here, Molly. You. <laughs> I just tell you, I do find it kind of funny when people refer to me as Molly Meme. I, I consider that quite a compliment in in some ways uh, about that. So, Solomon asks, does anyone know of a libertarian? slash real anarchist, as in anti-arcanist, group in the city. I looked around, but everything I found is just a bunch of posers complaining about capitalism. Yeah, well, there is a bit of a bit of a challenge. Um, uh, Ellison says, regular Vancouver, Vancouver right here, BC, bring, bring cash, things pretty expensive. Uh, he says, uh, uh, she, I, I'm a little surprised there have been non-leftist view events here before, but the first I've seen like this and no news about this being deplatformed makes me leery. Yes, that is, uh, that is true. The Band-Aid is lit. Well, it's lit by the lights, I suppose. Sad Clown says, hello, Stefan. I was really looking forward to seeing you in Vancouver. Uh, someone else says, oh, that's some Chinese characters I can't even squint at. Hi, Stefan, big fan. Thanks for doing this. Really wanted to see you in person. And um, glad to see you almost in person. Are you coming here in the fall? It's interesting. We'll have to mull that over. Um, I, I, th I think that the key thing is to get buy-in from the police department. That seems to be the big key thing because if there's a police department willing to – I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, do their job, then I think that we can have a great event. And protesters are fine. I would, you know, I would love nothing more than to go out – with a camera crew and and debate and, and argue with the protesters who disagreed with me. And that, that would be lovely. But unfortunately, um, the, the de-platform is a confession of intellectual paralysis and inferiority. And, and that should be clear to anyone, but it's it's not clear to some, right? They're like, aha, we stopped the fascist or whatever. It's like, I don't know. It's really, really bad. Really, really good. All right. Uh, Brett says, hey, Stefan, thank you for trying to save humanity. I, uh... I like having big goals. <laughs> I do. I like, you know, it, it's a really horrible cliche, this go big or go home thing. But um, why not have the biggest possible goals that you could have? Why not aim for the very highest and best? You know, it's something that I remember reading when I was very younger. Like, you don't really know what you're capable of until you put yourself into a situation. Necessity being the mother of invention. You can do some pretty remarkable stuff when you um, give yourself very lofty goals. So I would really encourage you uh, to do that. All right. 
uh, are Antifa essentially an extension of the state because that's how I feel? Well, I don't know. But if I had to hypothesize, I would say, uh, oh, squiggly character person, uh, I would say that Antifa could not do anything in particular if the laws were being upheld, right? And the fact that the laws are not being upheld, at least according to what I've seen, uh, it means that it's most likely that they have an in or a sympathy or something like that. So uh, let's see here. Uh, so sorry, Mr. Olsen says, so sorry it didn't work out in Vancouver. Thank you very much. I'm sorry for you guys. I really am. And uh, fish carrots. <laughs> now I'm hungry and not hungry at the same time. Said, considering you've had Jared Taylor on your show before, will you ever, had will you ever have Richard Spencer on for a discussion? It's tricky. I have a good deal of respect for Jared Taylor. He's a very well-educated man, does his research, has his numbers all in the right place, is a good writer, and is a, a consummate European gentleman. Um, was educated at the Sorbonne and so on. And I don't mean to be some sort of education snob or anything like that, but Richard Spencer is not someone that I follow. I think I saw, I, I think I saw one speech of his, which was not too impressing, impressive. And he's... Isn't he a self-admitted socialist at this point? So I don't know. It's just not a lot of uh, not a lot of stuff that that we would have to, to chat about. Um, Nathaniel says, "Where did the triggering of this post-truth slash nihilistic extremism you see in our culture today stem from?" Uh, well, that's a, it's a great question. Get get, get comfortable, everyone. <laughs> it's a great question, and I would say. That one, see, the 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 drive to socialism and to Marxism is fundamentally biological. When you have a meritocracy and you have, as we know, the bell curve, then resources are going to be created. Wealth is going to be created by a disproportionately small number of people. And as that rising disparity grows between the middle class, the lower class, and the super rich, and again, I'm not talking about the the current state, but like in an ideal or more ideal free market then what happens is the poorer people, the people who can't accumulate those resources, get really resentful. And one of the reasons they get resentful is that they, before they weren't very far down in the dating pool, right? But now they're really far down in the dating pool. And I'll give you a sort of female example for this. So to be the prettiest woman in a town or a village of 100 people was... Kind of cool. Like you, you were the top of the heap, right? Like I still remember the name of the girl I asked out who was the total queen bee in the junior high school. And she was like it, right? And, and we all know these stories of the women who are like the, the prettiest girl in their town. And then they go to Los Angeles or they go to Hollywood or they go to maybe New York or the modeling scene or whatever. And they're maybe below average, slightly to the left of the curve. They're only going to end up uh, in, in catalogs, not in Calvin Klein ads or whatever. And so when there's not a big gap, you don't end up sinking like a stone or like gold to the bottom of the dating heap. But when there's a big gap, you know, when there's Brad Pitt out there or Jeff Bezos or whatever it is that uh, uh, makes people, uh, makes women hot and bothered or men, I guess, sometimes too, there's not a huge gap in the dating market, but as the, the the gap opens up between the rich and the poor, between the powerful and the unpowerful, between the bosses and the employees and so on, then 
the guys get kind of annoyed and the women also get kind of annoyed too because the women can't get the alphas and the men can't compete with them in this sense. So the wider, it's not about income fundamentally because we can all, we're all vastly wealthier than we were even 50 years ago, 100 years ago, certainly, right? It's really about where you stand in the sexual market value or sexual marketplace. And so because there are all of these wealthy guys and beautiful women and, and they cluster together, right? Like I've, I've thought this often and I'm so glad I finally get a chance to discharge this from my brain. But um, if you ever want to know how attractive you are, just look at your boyfriend or your girlfriend. I mean, that, that's just how it works. You know this, right? If you ever see like when you're young, you see a really, really good looking guy and then his girlfriend is going to join him. You know she's going to be really, really good looking. If you see an average looking guy, his girlfriend is going to be average looking. And if you see a homely guy, his girlfriend is going to be homely, right? That's just the way things work. Sexual market value, like attracts like. Now, it didn't used to be that way as much. If you look at sort of past, like even look at like old Tennessee Williams plays and so on as big daddy, you know, he's, he can be fat, he can be obnoxious and so on, but he's wealthy and therefore, you know, your daddy's rich, your mama's good looking like the old song goes. So you can't get the pretty girls if you're not the pretty guy, if you're not the rich guy. You can't get the rich, powerful alpha unless you're the hot cheerleader or whatever it is. And I'm, I'm oversimplifying, but, but it's kind of true nonetheless. So people get really, really frustrated and they get angry, right? And that's kind of, we're designed for that. Like if you're falling low in the hierarchy of sexual market value, you're supposed to panic because your genes are going to fall off a cliff if you don't. Like for a lot of societies throughout history, only half the men made it. So you get really anxious and stressed and, and you go through negative emotional experience when your sexual market value drops and your sexual market value is going to drop relative to a meritocracy where 90% of the money ends up with 10% of the people. I don't mean ends up like they take it, but they've earned it and they created it. It's a huge disparity then. And that's why disparities make people anxious. It's a genetic base of the brain lizard programming to not fall too far behind the level of sexual attractiveness that is getting the quality uh, women or men. So what happens then is you get this existential anxiety, which is around your capacity to reproduce. And what happens then? Well, then the Marxists and the leftists and the socialists and, and so on, they come along and they say, we're going to restore your sexual market value by taking money from the rich and giving it to you. Now, that's a tough thing to hear. Like they're just going to go and steal like the thug, like the mafia or whatever, right? So you don't want to hear that because it's kind of humiliating and so on. So you have to have a cover story. And what's your cover story? Your cover story is this. Your cover story is that you've been exploited, you see. You, you, the, the, the rich people have stolen from you. They've ripped you off. Labor theory of value. You've been underpaid. They've been stealing from you all this time. Are we going to go steal Robin Hood? So I'm going to steal that money back and give it back to you. Now, that's a plausible quasi-moral cover for you just wanted to close the gap of sexual market value. And so what happened was they sold this story. And this is why the leftists hate me so much, right? Because they have a story around wealth disparity called theft and exploitation. And I have a story around 
wealth disparity called meritocracy plus IQ plus hard work and some luck and so on, right? Like I actually have the facts. And these are very – these are competing and oppositional uh, viewpoints. And one is true and moral and the other is false and, and immoral. So as the, – the, so the, the, the leftists, the Marxists in particular, made all these predictions, right? about how society was going to turn out. There was going to be no middle class. There was going to be increasingly small numbers of rich people and increasingly large numbers of impoverished workers. Well, that didn't happen. The middle class grew enormously. And this is why the, this is why the leftists hate the middle class somehow. <laughs> Sorry, my head. This is why the leftists hate the middle class so much. Because the middle class, the bourgeois, they hate the bourgeois. They hate the suburbs. They just hate the 2.2 kids and the white picket fence and the dog and the Rotary Club and the Shriners. and They hate that stuff. And partly it's just cynicism and wanting to smash a good thing that you can't have because of your cynicism. But it's also because the, the very existence of the middle class, the very existence of the bourgeoisie destroys their theory. Because the theory was that there was going to be no middle class. And the fact that there's an increasing middle class destroys their theory. The fact that the poor workers got richer over time, that is uh, against uh, the theory. Uh, and, and so... And also that they thought that the classes were going to harden. And it turns out that there's quite a lot of variety and there's lots of cycling up and down. Dr. Thomas Sowell has a lot uh, about this uh, in, in his most recent book, I think. So the empirical evidence, the rationality, the Misesian critique of the lack of a price system in uh, socialism and so on and how you could never allocate resources and the, the empirical failures and then the revelations of Stalin's cult of personality and the show trials and the gulags and all like it all fell apart so they had to destroy reason and evidence because reason and evidence were destroying their system now why couldn't they give up their system it's not just because people are irrational it's because irrationality in this case serves sexual market value and it's really 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 tough to talk people into annihilating their entire gene pool like it <laughs> really is pretty tough to do that. Now, you could say, well, you know, but as the rich create more wealth, everyone's going to get wealthier and so on. But that's that's like saying that two brothers, right? Call them Simon and Adrian. Oh, you said you didn't know their names. Anyway, sorry, life of Brian. But Simon and Adrian, and they both play the lottery. Now, Simon wins $1,000. And he's like, that is the greatest thing ever. I'm 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 a thousand dollars richer. This is going to come in super helpful. I'm I'm dancing. I'm skipping right. And he phones his brother and he says, "I just won a thousand bucks." And he's like, mm, "I just won a thousand bucks." And his brother says, "Well, that's weird. I just won five million dollars." Now suddenly that thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars or hundred thousand dollars seems a whole lot less than five million dollars. And suddenly the thing which seems like you're up and you're happy. When you compare it to the $5 million, you're resentful and you're frustrated and you're angry. Like when I was uh, working up north, I was paid and we uh, people got $100 a month more for each year of university that they had completed. And I went straight after high school, but a friend of mine had gone through one year of university when he came up to work with me. So he was getting $100 X. Now, it was a pretty good job. You know, I, I got to bank the money. Uh, uh, they paid for my food and, well, lodging was a tent and all that. But it was a pretty good job. I was happy to have it. It was out in the fresh air and I was doing lots of exercise. And, you know, there was the possibility of finding gold, which was kind of cool. And so I was pretty happy with the job until I found out my friend was getting <laughs> paid $100 more. And that's three bucks a day more. You know, it's not, not a huge amount uh, even back then. But I was like, 
frustrated and upset that my friend was getting paid $100 a month more than I was. Not fair. We're doing the same work. And, and suddenly this job, which seemed really good, and I, I got over it. Like I talked myself out of it. It's not that hard, right? You just point out how happy you are for this stuff to happen at all sometimes. It sure beats being a waiter. But for a day or two, I was like, you know, this job that I was happy to have, I suddenly thought was not good because I was getting paid 100 bucks a month less than someone else and doing the same work and blah, 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 right? So you could, you can say to smart people, you know, it's better if the wealthy accumulate the resources because they're best able to maximize them and create more and everyone's going to get wealthy in the rising tide and blah, blah, blah. But that's like saying to the guy who wins $1,000, you should be really happy even though your brother just won him $5 million. It's like, that's not, it's not the way our minds work. And we can dislike it if we want. But, you know, like I was reading Crime and Punishment the other day. I, I love the interactions between Raskolnikov and Porfiry, Porfiry the, the inspector. But uh, when one of the characters gets uh, into a terrible accident, Dostoevsky says, uh, you know, everybody was gathered around feeling a sense of satisfaction and relief that even the best souls cannot fight when somebody else suffers grave misfortune. Kind of accurate. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not, you know, we, we can say I wish it were different, but it's just the way our minds work and it's how we evolved. So sorry for the long answer, but the triggering of this post-truth nihilistic extremism, why, why are they deplatforming? Because it was going to be a glorious speech, not because they think it was going to be hateful, but they knew it was going to be good. And they basically were concerned that the women were going to be more attracted to me and the men were going to be more attracted to Lauren, uh, the men were going to be more attracted to Lauren than they were to Antifa. They're too young and, and uninformed to be really philosophically opposed. It just comes down to uh, getting laid or not getting laid. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, let me just uh, go back here. I lost just a little bit here. And listen, I'll, I'll be here for a while, guys. So uh, I hope that you um, will stick around. Uh, did you personally get threatened at the event? You said you were being hunted. Did you have to hide in your hotel room? Well, that's interesting. So that did happen to some degree in Australia. I was not hugely comfortable being out and about, right? It just takes one leak for people to find out where you are and they can just wait for you. And, you know, especially if the police aren't going to do much, it's, uh, you know, it's what's the, the purge. It's kind of like the purge, right? So I didn't have to hide in my hotel room, but um, I, uh, I felt a little bit safer there. And uh, if I went out, it was, you know, sunglasses, hat. Oh, no, I've given away my disguise, all that kind of stuff. Fake beard, elephant, you know, the usual stuff. So, no, the, 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 the event itself was being hunted across town. Uh, thoughts on men's groups like the Proud Boys. Now, I don't know much about the Proud Boys, but I do think that men need a tribe. So when I was younger, a friend of mine was into these uh, the Iron John and, and, and sweat lodges and so on, where people would get together and talk about masculinity and manhood and so on. That's a good thing. I mean, I think that's a good thing. You know, we, we have such a feminized society, and I've been prey to this. You know, whenever I get emotional on, on a, a video or a stream or something, there's a lot, a lot of, and actually, there's some people who are like, you know, suck it up, buttercup, man up, stop crying, stop being so emotional, right? There's no crying in philosophy. And it's interesting to me. I've been really thinking about that. 
and I've you know, been listening to uh, some of Churchill's old speeches, and he doesn't really get teary eyed. You know, he's very solid and very, we're now at war with Germany. And so, yeah, I think we do live in a very feminized society. And I think that men need, do need to discuss masculinity and manhood before they end up in fight clubs. So I don't know about their political stance. I don't know what they do. I don't know much about them. But uh, I was chatting to the head of a men's group in Australia. And, and what he was talking about was, I think, kind of cool, you know, like good health, nutrition and uh, independence and assertiveness and all of that. I thought it was very good. And, you know, nobody would complain when women's groups get together, right? All right, Jesse says, how can we fight back and win against these leftist mobs? Uh, I mean, to me, and, and this is going to be different for everyone, but to me, they're kind of a, um, a red herring, a distraction. The, the point is to, if we can connect with the public as a whole, if we can and provide compelling and, and recent arguments to the public as a whole, then those people will kind of be shouldered aside just by the stampede to truth. So um, kind of ignore them, focus on the bourgeoisie, so to speak. Jacob says, hey, Stefan, I'm curious whether you still consider yourself an anarchist and how your view on anarchism has changed over the years. Well, see, that's an interesting thing. And I, uh, I really try not to get annoyed at people. So please don't take this personally, but... <laughs> I don't, I don't have an option about whether – it's like saying, well, Steph, do you, cons do you still consider yourself a mammal or are you leaning more towards cold-blooded, uh, four-legged, uh, removable tail scenarios? It's like I don't really have a choice about whether or not I'm an anarchist because if the arguments are solid, that's where I got to go. I am not going to – Give up on principles now because there's always the temptation. Oh, you know, your principles are, you know, they're they're not helping you. You've you got to put them aside and, and focus on some pragmatic end. And it's like, nope, 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 nope. There are so many people out there in the world who are going to do that. I don't need to add to their number. So, of course, the non-aggression principle is absolute. Universally preferable behavior is absolute. And so... The stateless society is the only consistent application of the non-aggression principle. My view of anarchism over the years has uh, gotten stronger. My, my commitment to voluntarism to a stateless society has gotten stronger, especially since, um, you know, populations around the world are kind of being forced to pay for others to come in of, of questionable integrative capacity and so on. So. No, I um, I'm I'm more committed to it now than than even in the past. And I was actually, you know, somebody wrote to me just today, and they said, you know, Steph, I'm concerned about this IQ stuff for you. I'm concerned because you know I got a friend. He's a really smart guy, but he's really obsessed about Martin Luther King Jr., like Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and his plagiarism. Right? Apparently, I think I talked about this in my presentation on MLK, the sort of plagiarism and so on. And it's like. It's all he talks about, it's all he discusses and so on. So he's kind of got me concerned or he, he was concerned for me that with the IQ stuff that I was just stuck in this groove and, and so on. And it's funny because I do quite a lot without talking about IQ, but it is very important. And I tell you what, I will stop talking as much about IQ the moment that other people start talking about it uh, a little bit more. So, uh, so <clears throat> Will Saunders says, any thoughts on the New Zealand gun ban? 
tyranny much? Well, that's a very complicated and challenging situation. Um, you know, after 9-11, in America, Muslim immigration went up. In other words, they said, well, we're not going to bow to this. We're going to expand this program. And why isn't that the same? Why, why don't people say, well, you know, this terrible thing has happened. We're going to recommit to our freedoms. We're going to expand our freedoms. We're going to get more freedom of speech uh, and so on. Because I've always said, if people don't have the opportunity to debate sometimes pretty assertively in the public sphere, it escalates the violence. I've always said that. And I mean, I don't have any reason to pull back on that position at the moment because it is just basically factual. So the New Zealand gun ban, what's incredible about that is just how rapid, how rapidly it happened. Um, like all, all the guns that have been used in the Christchurch shooting, massacre really, uh, they've all been banned. And the police have said, you've got to turn them in. And I don't think many have been turned in. I don't know. We all know what happens next, which is escalation. But um, the rapidity with which it happens just shows you how quickly government can work to shrink your rights and how slowly they work to expand them. Right? So people in the West have been begging. The majority of Canadians want less immigration. The majority of Americans want less immigration. The majority of Europeans want less immigration. And it won't happen. They won't put, look at the people who voted for Brexit. It's been years now. What is it, two years, something like that? Still no Brexit. You want to repeal regulations. You want to shrink the size and power of the state. You want to balance the budget. You want a zoning permission. Everything's so slow, so slow, so slow. But it takes them a little, a little over a week to fundamentally change your gun rights if that's what they want to do. That's how fast... That's how fast things go when that's what they want. You want to maintain your freedoms. You want to extend and expand your freedoms. Well, you're going to face endless opposition and delays and slowdowns and all this kind of stuff. But boy, they want to start taking your rights away. So fast, so fast, so fast. Um, Karen says, I was under the impression you were an atheist in the past. It seems that may have changed. Can you talk about that process? Oh, I hate the phrase cultural Christian. It sounds like civic nationalist and it's – but I have a newfound respect for uh, religiosity, Christianity in particular, other religions not so much. But um, it's, it's a challenge. My heart is being pulled in one direction and my philosophical integrity is holding fast in the other direction. So – all I can say is I will keep you posted. How's that? Uh, Jennifer says, just wanted to say that end scene in Hoaxed was one of the best parts. One of? <laughs> Amazing way to end. And you were outstanding in that scene. Absolutely loved it. I play the end over a few times. Well, thank you, uh, Jennifer. That's very kind. I really do appreciate that. I was like, yeah, it was two takes and, and no script and all that. And uh, I, I was very pleased with the way it came out, the music and the the, the um, Scooter Downey and John Detroit did wonderful stuff with that. And what she's talking about, if you haven't seen it, is the movie Hoaxed, which you can get at hoaxedmovie.com. It's a couple of bucks to rent. You really should rent and, and write a review and talk it up and share it. It's a very, very big and important project, and I was very happy to be a part of it. Uh, Vostek says, what are some methods to help overcome the mental blocks I have put in place which prevent me from feeling the honest pain of my past? I am ready to endure the immense discomfort that this entails. Mm. 
It's a good question. I would say that the first place you want to look is not within yourself, but around yourself, my friend. I found that my fears of confrontation went down enormously when I was no longer surrounded by people who reacted violently to confrontation. And confrontation, I don't mean sort of yelling or screaming, but just being assertive with your needs and preferences and being willing to negotiate and all that kind of stuff. And once you are surrounded by reasonable people, you'll find very few mental blocks. The mental blocks are put there to protect you from danger. You understand, right? You know, you're walking through the woods at night. You think you hear a crackle of big footsteps. Do you have any rational anxiety? Are you wood crackophobic? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. that's a good name for either a porn star or a punk band. I'm still working on which. Ah, uh, the career options. So you're nervous, but you don't have a block. You're cautious, right? So why do you have a mental block? You have a mental block because if you didn't have a mental block, you would have been in some kind of danger when you were a child. Somebody would have screamed at you or yelled at you or abandoned you or not fed you or that was your fear. And you probably had, in fact, I'm certain you had very good reasons for that fear or those fears. So get the right people in place and you would just it's like saying you have a fear of winning adult soccer games when you play with girl guides on your team like all the all you you are an adult male and and the other 10 people on your soccer team are girl guides and like i have this weird block about winning it's like nope you're just surrounded by the wrong teammates once you get the right teammates you'd be amazed at what you can achieve so that would be my sense um MB said, your speech was amazing. I listened to it at work today. I had tickets for me, my sister, and my fiancé. Congratulations, by the way. I was so sad that it got canceled. Do you think you're very kind? The ticket refunds go back to Angelo, the organizer, and it should go to him. I, I appreciate that. That's very kind. But please donate. Just, just um, if you get a ticket uh, refund, if you if you want to keep it in the right hands, then just don't ask for a refund, and, and that would be very helpful to Angelo, who needs the money for a variety of things very good uh, and I appreciate that but if you if you want to do what I would like then if you can um, don't donate uh, to me just don't don't ask for the refund but that's listen I, I don't want to sound ungrateful I mean it's a wonderfully kind thing to do but um, I, I would rather the money stay with the organizer uh, question Gaz says I see more good than bad happening with pushing back on globalism what's your perspective I see more good than bad happening with pushing back on globalism. It's uh, it's going to be a battle, but we have an amazing technology. We have amazing people in the fight, and I think that we really do have to uh, just keep pushing back with reason and evidence. Um, I'm hoping – like sometimes there's a great line in Hamlet. The readiness is all. It's, there's more than that, but the readiness is all. If you think, to take another example, of someone like Churchill, right? So Churchill had been warning of Hitler's aggression for many, many years and had said that the peace process was not going to work and said that um, England should have been preparing many years beforehand for the war that was coming. Now, if Churchill had been in power, there's a very strong case to be made that the war would not have happened uh, if uh, when, when Hitler had gone into Alsace-Lorraine or, or any of his other, other earlier adventures to start reclaiming. And Hitler himself said, if they'd pushed back, I would have fallen apart, right? And, and if 
there was no air force supposed to be uh, under the Treaty of Versailles. Germany was only supposed to have 100,000 troops, no air force, very limited, no navy to speak of. And if that had been maintained, there wouldn't have been a war. And so people let things slide, let things slide. But the person who had been the voice in the wilderness suddenly became the leader once it was proven that he had been correct, that he had been accurate in his assessment. You'd be amazed at how quickly people can switch allegiances in order to save their hide. So we have to keep talking about the issues that we see that are going to be huge problems in society. If we're wrong and those huge problems don't show up, hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to be that. I'm, like, I'm, I'm willing to, to be that. You know, if you, if you say to someone, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke, and they're like, they have this weird tiny body, George Burns, laughter is the best medicine, invulnerability, George Burns like smoked cigars into his, like he lived to be more than 100 or whatever, despite being in a movie with John Denver, which, anyway. So, if you warn someone and you're wrong, aren't you, you're happy to be wrong, right? If you say, oh, you shouldn't smoke, you know, it's, it's going to kill you. Well, smoking only kills one out of two smokers, right? The others try to give speeches in Vancouver, <laughs> but um, if, if a loved one doesn't listen to you and keep smoking and then they live to be a ripe old age, you're happy, right? You're happy to be wrong. You're, you're happy to be wrong. So the things that I talk about, they're going to be problems if I'm wrong. And I know I'm not. But if I am, wonderful. You know, great. I'm, I'm happy to be considered the nut in the wilderness who raised the questions and maybe even raising the questions changed the outcome. But I'm, I'm thrilled to be wrong. If I'm right, and if you're right when you're out there talking about this kind of stuff, you will almost instantaneously gain a kind of authority that's going to be a, a astounding, astounding to see, astounding to see. So just be consistently right and you'd be amazed at how much authority you will suddenly gain. All uh, right. Uh, question says, Brett, given that the Vancouver Police Department is a, municipal, a municipally run police force, how do you justify them? and the city's residents paying for the security. I quite understand that. How do you justify them and the city's residents paying for the security? Do you mean, oh, so do you mean that if the leftists uh, were, th they were threatening, that, that you would need police on hand to arrest people who would come and do violence? I'm not sure I quite understand. Like, how do I justify them and the city's residents paying for the security? Because it's a country. <laughs> I mean, and the country has laws that apply across the country. You know, like that there's socialized medicine in Canada. So I don't expect people who come from BC to Ontario and who get sick or fall down, I don't expect them to pay their own bills because that's what we're all paying taxes for to have a country, to have laws, to have rules, <laughs> for heaven's sakes. And so if we, if we have the right of free speech, we have the right of free speech. Of course they should pay for it. I mean, if somebody from Vancouver comes to give a speech in Toronto, I want them to have free speech. Otherwise, there's not a country, right? There's nothing, right? It's just nonsense, right? So, and also if, you know, why, why, why did all this stuff happen? Okay, think, think about, think about these people who, who threaten these kinds of events, right? Just think about them, right? Why do they have so much time? Why do they have so little concern for their own future? I think you get photographed and people could write them up. They could get identified. And, and are they not concerned about their own employability in the future? Well, no. Why? Because they're going to be professional students. They're going to go on welfare. They're going to get married to someone on welfare or 
shack up with someone on welfare or they're going to get a bad back and disability or something like that. I mean, they're not going to be they're not going to be out there pulling lattes from a vending machine for people, right? So it's one of the reasons why it's very, very tough to fight the left. Because the left has got a lot of time on their hands, right? They got a lot of time on their hands. They're not overly concerned with getting up and going to work. They're not overly concerned with how to pay for their children's braces or how to make a mortgage payment or how to make a car payment or how to pay for gas or a repair or they're not overly concerned that their water heater has broken and it's just out of warranty and they need to come up with 800 bucks or whatever it is, right? But it's the stuff that happens in life that you're kind of busy for, right? I mean, they, they, they have lives of that they're young, so they don't have particularly health issues usually, <laughs> maybe mental health, but not physical. And, and they don't usually work, so they've got lots of time and they don't have families, they don't have communities. They don't have aged parents that they have to take care of. They don't, they've got a lot of time. And a lot of that time is paid for by the state. So it's like saying, well, the government has money to throw at welfare and endless student loans and grants and all that kind of stuff, but it doesn't have money to throw at a free speech event. That would be, I mean, pretty easy to police. I mean, it's all pretty easy. First of all, what you do is when death threats pour in, you do your best to track them back, right? Uh, if there are groups out there who've committed to using aggression, threats, and violence, then you infiltrate them, you you deal with them, you make arrests. I mean, this is, this is what happened in a free society, right? So you trace back the death threats, you trace back, you figure out, who you, you work out the networks, you just work to prevent rather than cure. You don't have a welfare state, you don't give out endless student loans for people to be indoctrinated into hatred, right? I mean, good heavens, people worrying about my hate speech. I'm not sending death threats to anyone, for heaven's sakes. That's the real hate speech, and it's actually illegal. So, yeah, the idea that Vancouver citizens shouldn't pay for free speech laws or free speech rights to be enforced is kind of incomprehensible to me. I mean, they can, they can pay for just about everything else. How about they pay for something that's actually virtuous? And how about they have a police force that does their job, and that way the cost is going to be very, very tiny. You have a couple of cops out front. Anyone shows up and breaks the law, um, you arrest them. It's not, it's not that complicated, right? And that way it's very cheap. So, But when you let things slide and you let things ride and, and uh, the, the, uh, the, the left gets emboldened and, and all of that, then, yeah, it's going to get more and more expensive. So, But who knows what the real cost is? It's the government, right? All right. Um, Christopher Whittle says, I've been thinking about the Great Oak Passage in Atlas Shrugs and your video a while back on If It's Too Late for the West. How has your concept of faith evolved through events such as this? So if you have principles, you don't need faith as much because you just hang on to your principles and you act according to your principles. So uh, it's not faith. It's acceptance of the universality of these principles. All right. Proud Bear says, have you seen the dismantling of Jordan Peterson? Do you have any thoughts about his seemingly double standard regarding whites acting as a collective? I have seen some uh, criticisms of Jordan Peterson and um, this double standard. I mean, it, not particular to Jordan Peterson, just people as a whole. If, if 
you are ferociously oppositional to whites having any kind of collective consciousness and you're not oppositional to other groups have it, then you're just a racist. You're just an anti-white racist, right? So I posted this, and you guys should follow me on Twitter, at Stefan Molyneux, of course. But I posted this, a study that came out a little while ago that says that whites have the least in-group preference of the major races. The least in-group preference of the major races. And certainly whites as a race and not an ideology have far less in-group in preference than Jews or, or Muslims and so on, and certainly Christians, because it's universal, right? Christians is, is uh, universal. So whites have the least in-group preference. So if you're only criticizing whites for having in-group preference, you're just an anti-white racist. And so um, I haven't seen Jordan Peterson attack whites for having in-group preferences and so on. So I can't really speak to that, but uh, that's a general principle. Just if people are attacking whites for in-group preferences and not any other groups, it's just bigoted, right? Uh, MB says, why don't you try coming to somewhere like Hope, Chilliwack, Mission, or Abbotsford? I can't come to Chilliwack because then that song, My Girl, would get stuck in my brain on eternal loop. No, that's that's a very good point, and I had lots of invitations to Alberta and so on, and I will think about that. Yeah, there are places where I can still work, uh, do my work. So, uh, Bronson Wright says, "Hey, Steph, I'm a musician in Vancouver, and I'm wondering your advice on dealing with leftist musicians. Sometimes I want to quit music completely." Yeah, that's tough, man. It really bothers me that. that songs just don't deal with, with actual issues that, that go on in the world. You know, like think of Stephen Biko by Peter Gabriel, right? I mean, there used to be songs specifically about particular incidents, right? Four Dead in Ohio by uh, a warble-voiced Neil Young. So, but you can you write a song about immigration fears? You know, I, I remember, oh gosh, what was her name? Amazing Grace was on one side of the 45, and on the other side was a song called I Pity the Poor Immigrant. Joan, Joan Baez. Just, again, straight-haired, like it was ironed, uh, wobble-voiced folk singer. I Pity the Poor Immigrant, right? So you could do a song about that, and, you know, it's just, it's chilling. I'll do a show on this at one point about how much of my life that I thought was artistic was just leftist propaganda. The day after, it's just frightening you into disarming. So... Can you do a song about immigration fears? You know, can you imagine how that would go down? What would happen? We're not, not particularly free. We have this amazing technology and so little freedom to use it sometimes. So I would say if you can focus just on the music, just focus on the music. But if you really have something to say in music that is powerful, just say it and find a better band to play with. Ah, let's see here. Rebecca Hamilton, can you do a stream with Nick Fuentes or Owen Benjamin? Also, what are your thoughts on Ben Shapiro and Neocons? Question mark or slash norm? I think that's supposed to be slash normies. Uh, I could. I could. I've been crazy busy lately. And again, I'm sorry for like fewer camera facing videos. I'm, I'm working on that and, and trying to make sure that the setup is just as push-button, as simple as possible to, to get more stuff out. 
this is a new setup for streaming. And um, I like Owen. I think Nick's got some pretty funny, good arguments to make. I haven't followed them very much. Um, again, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. It's, you know, the people do wonderful work, and I'd be upset as hell if they didn't follow me. But um, I have been uh, uh, crazy busy on, on other projects, uh, which you will find out about soon, uh, including a, um, an upgraded website with finally a place to publish my work. So my written work, that is. So Ben Shapiro, I like Ben. And I think he makes some good arguments. It's potentially it's potentially true that he has a blind spot regarding Israel and Jewish in-group preference, but he wouldn't be the first, probably won't be the last. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's a, he's a good guy to start breaking the conditioning. So I have no particular issue. All right. Uh, Proud Bear says, I've heard you mention you want to do research before addressing the JQ because you don't consider yourself anything of an expert. Are you studying anything at the moment? Do you intend to address the topic? Okay, uh, I'm not going to go through all of this again. I have addressed the topic. I have talked about it a number of times. I'm just not going to fly off Moscow and figure out what percentage of Trotsky or, or Lenin was actually Jewish. And like that's like, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to do it. I'm a big picture kind of guy. So I have addressed the Jewish question in a variety of forums, and you should just check it out. There's lots of people who are addressing it in the way I think you want it addressed. I'm just not going to be one of them. So no, I, I know how long it takes. I knew how long it took for me to become even remotely competent at IQ, and uh, JQ is uh, perhaps even more complicated. So, All right. Jeffrey says, let's see here, why not hold the event on the UBC endowment lands? The Crown land is policed by the RCMP, not the VPD. Yes, we... Uh, um, there were lots of options that were pursued, uh, and so um, I'm sure that uh, a statement will come out at some point. Is Trudeau done? Well, the Liberals are fallen behind the, the Conservatives in Nepal. The problem is Conservatives aren't particularly great on immigration. Uh, and that's that's the big issue at the moment. What is it? Trudeau wants 400,000 and like the conservatives are like 300 or 350. It's like per year. This is a crazy number. There's no roads. I mean, even if you don't have any issues with culture and religion and so on, I mean, there's no roads, there's no schools. There's just not the... Anyway. So, I don't know. It's it's a tough call, you know? Do, do you want the system to reset sooner rather than later? Well, if you want it to reset sooner, then keep the liberals in, the left in. If you want it to reset later, then... And, you know, I, I, I'm, I kind of like later, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's kind of why I went uh, a bit more pro-Trump than, than pro-Hillary. I kind of think later. I, I like this civilized stuff. <laughs> I like this civilization. So. Um, let's see here. So is Trudeau done? Well, I will say this. I can't answer that in the passive tense. There you go. All right. Michael Livingston says, Stefan, what should we do? Sorry, that's the wrong name. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I will surrender to the glasses. Sorry, Michael giving stone. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You should see me try and do a PowerPoint with small font. And it's not big. I don't care that I wear glasses. It's just look when I look up, I get crazy reflections, even though I asked for non-reflective glasses. Anyway, so Michael Givingstone says, Stefan, what should we do about low IQ members in society with regards to them making a living, if anything at all? With minimum wage increases and automation replacing easy jobs, the future is grim. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I have actually put quite a bit of thought. I know this sounds like I've actually put some thought. I've actually put quite a bit of thought into this. And the state solutions are terrible. The state solutions are terrible because we know that IQ is significantly genetic. And if you give huge sections of the low IQ population lots of money, what do they do? They just convert it into children, right? And so that's a big problem. So the way that it used to work is that if you were a single mom and you went to a private charity, like a Christian charity, they'd be happy to help you out, but you just couldn't be having any more kids, right? Because <laughs> that would be bad, right? Because they'd want their kids to be raised in a two-parent household. So I'm not talking about the government. I'm not talking about eugenics. I'm not talking about not allowing people to have children. People got to have the children they want. Choices and consequences. So private charity is the way to help these people out in a way that allows society to sustain. You know, I don't care what the question is. The answer is more freedom. So... All right. Uh, let's see. What are your thoughts on Maxime Bernier and the People's Party of Canada in terms of proposed policies? I like them <laughs> compared to everyone else. The People's Party of Canada, people should definitely uh, check them out. It's not an endorsement. I just like what I've read, although I need to read more. All right. Shout out to long-haul truck drivers and forklift operators. Solidarity, Reg. Uh, shout out to people born in March. All right. Uh, let's see here. Oh, somebody said earlier, my tr not true. My girlfriend is way hotter than me. Should we eliminate the minimum wage? Ooh, good question. Yeah, it's funny too, because then, you know, once you're in a hole, I guess the whole point is to stop digging. So just eliminating the minimum wage is a little bit of a problem. What you need to do as well and I know there's going to be a bit of a lag, you need to privatize education, of course, right? Because the problem is, why are people graduating from 12 years of government education worth $5 an hour? Because government ed education is brain-rotting garbage. And pretty cool to see the Muslims out there protesting some particular forms of education and... Uh, I think that's kind of kind of interesting, you know. It's a challenge for the left when their intersections collide. But eliminating the minimum wage would reveal just how terrible and unproductive government education is. So I think you need to, at the same time, really try and work to fix education. And the way to fix education is, you know, getting your tax back for government schools if you homeschool stuff like that. Just a ways ways of transitioning all that. Uh, Solomon Jenkins, are you planning on rescheduling an event in Vancouver anytime soon, or do you think that won't be possible given the current state of things? Um, it really depends upon whether or not the police will enforce the law without charging forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars or whatever they were they were talking about. So, you know, that's that's functionally not having rights, right? So, all right. Something to mull over. Yeah, the Free Speech Club says something to mull over. We have the JCCF officially representing us, and we know what to do now to be protected. Just need some time. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll go and stand on that stage, and I'll make my case. So, uh, Marco says, there is a big misunderstanding of what socialism or liberal socialism means to Canadians. How can we better share this message of warning in an increasingly polarized political landscape? Yeah, you know, they just they just keep rebranding rebranding the same terrible ideas, right? It's not Marxism, it's cultural Marxism, it's postmodernism, it's subjectivism, it's relativism, it's not socialism, it's social democracy. It's like they just keep rebranding the same 
terrible, immoral, coercive ideas. And we just need to go back to the root and say the initiation of the use of force is immoral. All right. Somebody says, thanks, Free Speech Club, which I certainly, certainly echo. It's nice actually doing a live stream with not quite so many people. They're flying by. People get mad. Answer questions. Thoughts on Dinesh D'Souza's argument that fascism is on the left. Yeah. I've always hated this left-right dichotomy, which is, you know, well, on the, on the left, you've got the communists, and on the right, you've got the Nazis. So that just trains you to, like, try and navigate between two brutal and seemingly opposing clubs. You know, the people who fight the most tend to be those with the most in common, right? I mean, if you look at turf warfares between criminal gangs, it's not between a lawn bowling club and MS-13, right? <laughs> it's two criminal gangs who both have committed to crime uh, fighting each other. So the fact that Nazis and, and uh, communists were fighting in the streets, um, well, uh-huh. all right. Uh, one fellow says, any thoughts about the 19-year-old New Zealand kid facing 14 years for sharing the New Zealand shooter video? Well, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. I, I, I don't like that video. I've never seen it. I, I can't even imagine how horrifying it would be. And I don't like sharing it. I don't like any of that. Uh, I mean, these are people who were killed uh, and, and they have family members and and it should not be out there for display and it should not be out there for titillation and you should not get 14 years for sharing it. So it's just one of these things. I, I think it's abhorrent. It's it's horrible. Um, you know, every, every now and then if I'm watching a documentary, some of the Columbine footage comes up and I literally have to like stop. Like these are people's last moments of life. They're 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 being gunned down by a maniac. They they they're bleeding out. They're trying to they're crying out their mother's names. They're trying to reach someone they love to to die together. I mean, you you can't just look at that like anyway, like it's ended. I don't know. It's horrible, horrible stuff. And it's one of these things where you just have to grit your teeth and stand on principle and say that it's horrible and, and he should not be facing 14 years of prison for doing it. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, Fred says, hey, Stefan, what do you think of Trump removing funding from universities that don't allow free speech? Is it a good thing or a slippery slope for leftist governments to censor hate speech later? Well, you know, hate speech... The U.S. Supreme Court has repeatedly affirmed that there's no such thing as hate speech. Hate speech does not exist in the United States. I mean, there's consequences for, for speech, you know, libel, slander, or whatever, or death threats, and so on. But there's no such thing as hate speech in the United States. So <sighs> removing funding from universities that don't allow free speech. Well, first of all, I assume that there'll just be a torrent of lawsuits coming in and then You've got what the population wants, you've got what the politicians promise, and then you have what the judges will do. And uh, David Horowitz is a great guy to follow on Twitter who constantly talks about judicial activism and this weird parallel foggy tyranny of of judicial uh, slippery slope decisions. So, I mean, I think it's good, I suppose. Um, I, I do think that there is a case to be made that social media is is where the real challenge is at the moment. And it's only going to ramp up in particular as, uh, you know, it's an election year in Canada, it's an election year in the U.S. next year in 2020, and it's going to be very, it's a very big deal. The, uh, they, they, they know social media was one of the main reasons Trump won, and they certainly don't want to have that happen again. So I, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I, I, you know, the one thing I do want Trump to do is to talk about the violence against his supporters. That... <laughs> 
you know, they, not everyone comes with armed guards, right? So Rebecca says, is there still hope for Canada or are we beyond the point of saving? What advice do you have for us? I don't like to come to conclusions that are not empirical. And so I like to keep talking about the truth. I like to bring keep bringing reason and evidence to these arguments. I don't like to think about something as hope. Because hope seems very passive to me. I hope he calls. Just call him, right? Then you can talk to him without hoping, right? So things are very... The, the word hope to me has strong connotations of determinism or passivity. So I don't like to think in terms of hope. I like to think in terms of values and action, if that helps. <laughs> All right. Uh, the minimum wage keeps wages artificially high so that people can't see the horrible realities of low-skilled immigrants pouring into the country. You just get higher unemployment. All right. All right. Let me make sure I get to these questions. Um, I want to just uh, make sure that I, uh, oh boy, did I miss some? Oh, I'm going too slow. Okay. Let me try and make my answers, uh, shorter. And I'm sorry for, for this. I didn't realize how much was scrolling. Okay. Here we go. Make it, make things faster now. Hey, Stefan, first time caller, long time listener. <laughs> I like that username. I just tell you, that's a good username. What What's your thoughts on wooden doors being airtight? Got to tell you, pretty much a void. Uh, Stephen says, it was illegal talk and Antifa had made illegal threats. Why must we pay the police to protect from the illegal threats of violence by others? Uh, he says, if neo-Nazis threaten a synagogue, is the synagogue now supposed to pay for the police to protect them? Yeah, I mean, I said this to a reporter. Um, I said, look, if I was an imam and I was giving a talk at a mosque and, and we were being threatened by people, um, uh, there would be no end of, of right? And we'd be wall-to-wall -wall cops, right? Marco says, the very groups of liberals that are supposedly pro-free speech are shutting it down whilst fervently arguing their emotional bigoted dogmas. Well, they were only pre-free speech when they were on the opposition, right? They were trying to get their way in, right? It's like that old quote, you know, where... Um, I demand my rights from you when I'm in a position of weakness because that is according to my preferences and I will deny your demand for your rights when I'm in a position of strength because that's according to my power. So, All right. Uh, do you believe that there is a point when violence against Antifa would be the only answer to the problem? Do you see a peaceful resolution to this? I would like to, I guess that goes back to hope and so on. I don't believe that there's a peaceful resolution unless people on the left begin to back down. The odds of them backing down are not very high. So it does not look good. Uh, Mary says, thank you, Stefan. Very left down. We could not hear your speech live. I was born in Vancouver. We travel from the Sunshine Coast to be there. I'm so sorry to have not met you. I'm so sorry uh, to, to have not have met you. So... Um, we did the New Zealand gun ban. What are your thoughts on overpopulation and this idea that we get, we are some germ or disease. I see it differently. Perhaps it's more population mismanagement with solutions. Okay, so overpopulation is uh, is debt. It's it's just debt. So every human being on the world is supported by $30,000 US 
of debt. When you borrow, when you borrow, when you borrow, you can create artificial plenty, which sustains an excessive population. And so we're not a germ or a disease. It's just that the free market is not being allowed to function. As wealth grows, as wealth goes up, generally population declines. I mean, it, of course, we were told zero population growth and all that kind of stuff. And, and nobody ever says that about India. It's always white people in general. It's just like this whole zero population growth, environmental concerns is just about making sure white people don't have babies or trying to make sure white people don't have babies, just basically the way it is. And so the market deals with this very nicely, right? So when your children survive much better than they used to, you need fewer children. The market will provide birth control and you'll have fewer children. And then when you get robots and, and all of that, then you will have fewer children even. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? So, oh, the Japanese is like, yeah, well, if, if the market is allowed to operate in Japan, there'll be more population. If the market is not allowed to operate in Japan, yeah, they may uh, animate themselves into complete non-existence. But um, all right. Hi, Stefan. Longtime fan. Do you think that... Democrats will start to swing back towards the center and start to become less extreme, kind of like a pendulum. I think that would happen except for demographic change. So with demographic change, um, non-whites vote for larger government. Now, a lot of whites vote for larger government too, and, and women in particular, but non-whites vote for larger government. And that's just a reality. So normally, if the demographics had maintained relatively constant, there would be a swing back towards the center. But the problem is that you are getting, you know, the Rashids, the Ocasio-Cortezes, the uh, Ilhan Omars, and so on, and they're just pulling the party more towards a radicalism. And that's, it, it may tear apart, but I don't think it's going to go back. Somebody says, Stefan, do you have or can you put together a list of books and authors that you find great value in? I'm looking more specifically for more stuff on self-knowledge. Thanks. I actually just did a little podcast today when I was tootling to get this dealt with. And um, uh, I guess I, I will. I used to have one many years ago uh, on an old website. I'll see if I can still find it. All right. Rebecca says, you're great, Stefan, but the non-aggression principle just doesn't work. That's how you get child drag queens. It's a bridge too far for me to get that logic. So I'm sorry about that. <clears throat> so what are the, somebody asked, what are the best tools for uncovering childhood memories for those who suspect childhood molestation, yet have no memory of such events and come from a seemingly perfect family? That's a tough, I can't answer that in any professional context, of course, because I'm not a psychologist or anything like that. Um, if it's coming from your therapist, you need to read up on some of the ways in which this stuff can come to be. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that point. Childhood molestation can occur from a non-family member, right? It, 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 certainly with me, I didn't have anything particularly bad, but uh, I was uh, over at a guy's house and he, he grabbed at me. He was older and I was uh, still in my early teens. And, you know, I just pushed back and got up and got out. But that was outside the family. So it doesn't mean that it was within the family. So, all right. Uh, Stephen says, Antifa says we are Nazis. Nazi is the abbreviation for National Socialist German Workers' Party. Our side is the side of freedom of speech and free markets that defeated the Nazis. Yes. Yes, of course. I absolutely agree. Someone says, Ed says, have you noticed that self-proclaimed free speech supporters slash groups ban or restrict people with arbitrary rules and abuses of power? I noticed this in Reddit and so on, right? Yes. 
Um, free speech has to be a principle, otherwise it's just a, a manipulation and so on, right? So let's see here. <laughs> a proud, perfect, okay. <laughs> My fiance is going to be a stay-at-home mother and her children will be homeschooled. Is there value in having many kids, four to six plus, or would fewer two to three be better? Better for them, society, myself, etc. I, I, you know, I wish I'd started early. I wish we'd had more luck. I'd like a house full of kids. So I think the more the merrier myself. Um, let's see here. How does democratic socialism play into the hands of global elitists? What is the large push to implement socialism in a welfare state as we are seeing in the USA today? What's in it for them? I don't know. I mean, as far as the globalist elites go, I'm kind of happy that I don't know about uh, what what their particular plans are. Um, people, some people love power. And the way that you get power is you tell people that when you initiate force on their behalf, it's a great virtue. So when you control prices, you control resources, you give them free stuff, you borrow and, and give them free money and you give them free health care and so on. It's to deal with the devil. I'll give you free stuff in return for your soul. I'll give you free stuff in return for your freedoms, right? Because you can either have freedoms or you can have free stuff. You can't have both. So they're just bribing to to get people to give up their rights. All right. So somebody says, my boys, 11 of the boys are all talking about PewDiePie. So I'm not so worried about the sway of public schools. Different for girls, maybe. All right. Um... Kat says, any hope for the enlightenment of friends slash family who are stuck in their dysfunctional and or brainwashed by family is everything propaganda, stuck in their dysfunction. So you can lead by words and you can lead by deeds. Lead you must, but you can lead by words and lead by deeds. So you can tell people that they're wrong and you can prove them to them that they're wrong. If they continue to persist in their error, you can simply live your life according to your values and hope that they see your life and see how great it is and then say, I want some of that, right? So, and, and if, if they won't accept either, I mean, I don't have people like that in my life. So I just, you can't have values, I think, and then love people who manifest the opposite of those values. I just can't do it. I mean, you can do it. You just can't actually have the experience of having a real relationship. All right. Mary says, how can I debate with people about democratic socialism with many waving that flag and stating Finland and other similar countries are benefiting from it already? I'm free market all the way. So I've got the truth about uh, Scandinavian socialism, the truth about Scandinavian socialism. So you have mono ethnic states, you have uh, significant free market reforms that occurred some time back ago, and it's just not, it's just not what people think. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, never apologize to leftists. It's just a game for them. I think that's a fair point. How would we defend the right to free speech in an anarchist society? What are the rights other than inventions of the government? Well, you've got to read my book on universally preferable behavior for what rights are. I think rights are not a great terminology. Properties is better. So the question is, why do people want to violate free speech? Why do people want to violate free speech? They want to violate free speech because... Free speech might lead to the government giving them less stuff, right? So in um, a free society, when, the, when, when sophistry doesn't get to control trillions of dollars through the power of the government, there'd be much less interest in violating free speech. Um, all right. 
Uh, I'm going to just do a couple more questions, if you don't mind. Uh, I really, really appreciate you guys dropping by. It's a real pleasure to chat with you. And again, I'm sorry that we didn't get a chance to meet. Okay, is the root of this victim mentality bred in the family or in our learning institutions? I have a 12-year-old daughter that has taught some pretty outlandish ideas. How do we stop the indoctrination? Well, you just have to uh, tell her the truth. And then you have to tell her why you're putting in an environment where she's been taught things that you don't think are true. Um, so somebody says, given that racism is power plus prejudice, according to socialists, have you considered using anti-white instead of for white people? Anti-white. Inst- sorry, anti-white instead for white people. I don't know what that means, sorry. Uh, let's see. What was Vancouver Police Department's reason for charging $40,000 to police a legal event on private property? Um, there were some stories um, as to the real motives I really really don't know all right uh, Nathan says I'm from Chilliwack who else is local Stefan you've changed my life my daughter and future unborn child will hopefully understand someday the positive influence you have had on our lives thank you very much appreciate that Marcus says Ben Shapiro is great one of the most intelligent debaters out there if you have to face off with him good luck to you his ideas and arguments are refreshing and common sense it seems like a very good debater for sure what's your take on yellow vest well, I mean, you, you, you have a bunch of pedophiles dominating French philosophy for decades. You're going to end up with a whole bunch of chaos and violence. That's what anti-rationality and degeneracy do to your culture. Rebecca says, thoughts on Tucker Carlson? I like him. I think he's a good-hearted guy. He's a funny guy. He's an engaging guy. He's a passionate guy. And his new book I actually uh, have read, uh, which I would recommend. It's a good It's a good book. You know, is it perfect? Well, no, it's not perfect. I mean... But uh, uh, good enough is uh, very good is, is certainly good enough for me. So, all right, PPC twenty nineteen. That's the People's Party of Canada. Check it out. All right, I'm thirty four, wanting a child. My boyfriend is scared because his father was paranoid schizophrenic. His father has been off meds for years and is a kind, gentle soul. Is his fear grounded in facts? I don't know. I'm sorry. You'll have to talk to a genetic counselor about that. Jennifer says, my sister is on this scope, so could you talk about gender pay gap? Well, if women have choices and women make choices that result in less pay for women, shouldn't we respect those choices? I I think we should. I don't think that women should be told to act exactly like men. And women, I think wisely sometimes, choose to work less to enjoy more time away from work. I think that's fine. I think that's great. And so I respect women's choices. And women choose to go into fields that generally pay less, on average, some brilliant and very wealthy women. If you look at two areas where women's value is very high, three areas, I suppose. One is literary fiction, where women get paid more than men often, in on average. The other is uh, pornography, where there's a higher demand for women than for men. And the other is uh, fashion modeling. So where there is, in fact, a higher demand for women than men, then women do very, uh, very well. Um, There may be lower demands, there may be lower supply, there may be women who just want more of a work-life balance. I respect that choice. And so I don't see it as all as a problem. I see it as a, a, you know, viva la difference, right? So, okay, Ms. Olsen says, where do you see the world going next five, 10, 25 years? Are we a pot of boiling water set on high with no one watching it? Seems like we're heading for a bad outcome. That's uh, certainly a possibility and... uh, I don't like to think that the world is just going. It's sort of like 
I don't want to sound particularly megalomaniacal, but it's like saying to someone who owns a car, where do you see your car going over the next five days? It's like, I don't know where I want to drive it. So, I mean, we should all think that. Where does the world go? Well, our collective consciousness. So, Mary says, my boyfriend would make an amazing father. He's kind, gentle, and hardworking. I'm an entrepreneur and run my small business. He would have to homeschool these days. He's really scared, though. Scared of what, though? Scared to homeschool? Rebecca says, thoughts on the whole on the white Sharia meme. I don't know much about this, but this idea that we, we need some big brutal set of laws implemented by the government to achieve a beneficial outcome to society, I don't really believe that. Uh, have you read any Herman Hess? Uh, I have. Hang on a sec here. Sorry, I just lost some. I lost it. Oh, it's coming back. It's coming back. Which novels have you read and your thoughts on them? I have, and I will not do it here now. That's quite a bit. So, All right. Proud Bear says, contact Vancouver Proud Boys if you want to hang out with like-minded guys. Solomon says, Steph, you should totally have paid private live streams. I know you all like to release your stuff for free, but less people is more functional for this environment. It's a very interesting idea. Um, Vancouver Rate Relief denied funding. I don't know anything about it. I just apologize for that. All right. What are your favorite fictional writers? Um, Turgenev, Dostoevsky, Dickens. I'm going to include Shakespeare in there just because. And um, Rand, of course. I'll have to think of more. So. All right. Craig Wright, Satoshi, Bitcoin. Don't know. Uh, Hansen says, why do you think there's so much self-hatred within citizens today? Anti-Semitism within the Jewish community are people who are okay with tearing down the Christian foundations of the country. Well, it's it's selective um, outrage, right? I mean, it's it's saying, oh, you know, like there's uh, 350 to 400,000 blacks were taken to America, therefore only whites are responsible for slavery. But the, the Muslim slave trade was 200 times larger. And there aren't a lot of blacks in Islamic countries these days because they were half cast, most of them were castrated, right? So of which only one out of 10 survived. So um, it's just selective outrage uh, and, and combined with um, uh, the lack of in-group preference has really helped develop the modern world, but it also might end the modern world as well. So, All right. Oh, somebody says, what I meant to say was the non-aggression principle leads to degeneracy. Prostitution technically doesn't hurt anyone. The same with things like polygamy, but... Those things destroy the fabric of society. I'll have to think about that. It's a very interesting point. I will mull it over. Thomas said, Hey, Stefan, thank you for all the work you have done. I cried when I heard the podcast with your daughter. I was sad that I didn't have a relationship with my parents like you have with your daughter. I appreciate that. That's very kind. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on Islam as a religion? Do you believe Muslims are capable of living in modern society? Sure. Sure. I mean, so you, Islam and Muslims, uh, not, not the same thing. Like Christianity and Christians, not the same thing. One is an ideology or a belief system or a religion or a set of precepts, and the other are particular individuals who have some relationship to that belief system. Um, Islam as a religion, uh, not, not a fan as a whole. Uh, and uh, But Muslims, yeah, some very, very nice people out there who are doing some wonderful things who, who are Muslims, so. All right, Proud Bear says, My brother-in-law supported you being deplatformed. He disavowed the threats of violence used, but was still supportive of you being deplatformed. Any advice to deal with him at my next family event? Well, don't set him a 
Don't set him a chair at the table. See how he likes it. Uh, what started your interest in philosophy? It started pretty early, and um, uh, but it really grew through Ayn Rand uh, in particular. So, all right. We had, yeah, we had quite, quite a couple hundred uh, people who wanted to come to the Vancouver uh, event. So um, not as big as some of the tickets, well, not as big as most of the tickets in um, Australia, but uh, yeah, it did, uh, did pretty well. All right. Listen, guys, um, first of all, thank you for dropping by. It's a real great pleasure to, to chat with you guys. And um, uh, let me know if there's anything that you would, yeah, I, I mean, I'd like to put this out. I think it's very, uh, very important. Uh, to put this kind of information out. So uh, if you don't have any particular issues, let me know in the chat if you do. If you don't have any particular issues, we'll put this out. And uh, it's very nice to uh, to chat with you guys. Uh, don't, you know, don't you can't win them all. You can't win them all. And uh, we've got a whole bunch of speeches uh, that I've had very great success with. And um, we, we, we can't, we can't get them all. So Oh, sorry. Uh, Mary says, earlier I asked you about having children, but my stepfather is diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. If any mental illness is very interesting, I don't want to push him into it. I'm, he's scared. Can I rewatch this vid later? Yeah, well, we're going to, I think we're going to put this out and, and so on. So your stepfather, a stepfather, you see, you don't have, you don't have a genetic link to him if he's your stepfather, right? So um, I think that would be fine. So, uh, if, there, if, if there's, a, I think there's a genetic element to schizophrenia. I think, though, please check. Uh, but if he's your stepfather, you don't have that genetic. So, that seems like better. So, uh, thanks everyone so much. Uh, check out the Free Speech Club here on YouTube if you want to help me out. Of course, freedomainradio.com forward slash donate. And uh, really want to thank everyone for dropping by. Apologies again for not meeting you all in um uh, in person i was really really looking forward to it and i do love me a live speech with a challenging audience and i think you guys would have had great great questions i uh, love you guys so much thank you for everything that you have done and everything that you will do for the cause of freedom i am honored to serve in this exciting and challenging conflict with you so love you guys so much we'll talk to you soon